this morning as you start 2017 and you think about the reset and how, what's this year going to look like and how might it look different than last year, um, I, I want to ask just maybe a couple questions from the text, very specific, all right, that today's message may look a little bit different, maybe a little bit more of um, as if maybe we're just having a conversation, um, so to speak, kind of talking. And part of that is going to be is there's kind of two things that happen in the book of Acts um, in the text today. And it's one is, is that Paul says, hey, listen, let's return to all the churches where we've already preached the gospel and let's see how they are. Basically, Paul's asking this question, how are you? And that's the question I want to ask you today. The first question is, is, is how are you? How are you doing? All right. And what we're going to do today is, is you're going to kind of do a spiritual checkup. And we're going to walk through the text, 1 Kings 17 through 19. Um, really quick kind of overview of a man by the name of Elijah. He's one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. In fact, um, I don't know if you know this about Elijah, but one of his most like interesting facts about him is, is that he never what? Never died, right? This guy actually went to a chair in a chariot of fire into heaven. He never died here on the earth. Um, pretty amazing, all right? So he's a powerful man of God um, that does great and mighty things. In fact, John the Baptist is going to come in the spirit or the power of Elijah. Jesus says about John that he was the Elijah that was to come. And so Elijah is significant. And so when answering that question, how are you, we're going to look at the life of Elijah for a few minutes. And there's something secondly that happens is that Paul and uh, Silas, as they make their way out, um, Barnabas and him are going to kind of split. There's some disagreements, some major challenges in church. We're not going to cover a lot of that today, but we may in future messages. But he asks another issue, and he says this. He says, listen, how can we strengthen the churches? And as we look at 2017, really that's kind of a twofold question, all right? First is, how are you? Because how you are indicates a lot of where we're headed as a church. No, obviously the, the power of God working and moving, but you individually matter. It's not just that, hey, we're a big body of people here and, and we'll all get together and do stuff. No, it's you. I want you to think about you today, where you are with the Lord. But secondly, I want to ask you, how can we strengthen you? All right, individually, what could we do as a church to strengthen you? And what you're going to see today is, and I'll kind of play my hand out already, is, is what Paul does is they stick to the Word of God. He said, listen, if we're going to strengthen the church, if we're going to make disciples, we must anchor in the Word of God. We must proclaim the Word of God to people that don't know Christ, but we must also proclaim and teach the Word of God to those that are already in Christ. So those are the kind of two questions we're after. How are you and how can we strengthen you? So let's kind of come to it, all right? Acts chapter 15. It says in verse 35, But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the Word of the Lord with many other also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And so that's kind of that question there, right? How are you? How are you doing? So what I want to do is, is let's walk here just for a moment with the life of Elijah, all right? And kind of what you're going to do is you're going to kind of be on like a victory tour with Elijah, all right? Elijah has one of the most victorious, powerful, God's spirit, mountain-moving Moments in life, all right? This is one of the greatest um, chapters and unfolding, these 17 and 18, of what God has ever done in anyone's life ever. So I want you to see it, and then we're going to deal with it just for a moment. Verse 6, 1 Kings 17. It says, And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Now what you have to understand is, is that actually the people are in the midst of a great famine, all right? There's a drought. In fact, the, the drought, according to James last in the, James chapter 5 in the New Testament, lasts three and a half years. 
I don't know about you, but anybody this morning, did the birds like bring you some bacon? Did the squirrels show up on your back porch and scramble up some eggs for you? That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty elite company. That's pretty amazing that the birds would literally bring him bread and meat to eat. Look further with me. Verse 14 of 1 Kings 17. He encounters a, a widow who actually has nothing. All right, her and her sons are, are preparing to die. It's a bad situation. Um, she has nothing to, to provide for her and her family. And Elijah shows up and says, listen, I know that you, all you have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, but I want you to bake a cake for me. And after that, look what he says in verse 14. Here's what God says. The God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. It says, listen... It, the flour is not going to run out, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until that day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. That's pretty powerful. And in fact, that very thing happens. You ever, you ever done that, right? Does your flour never run out at home, right? I mean, do you ever not run out of anything that you need, right? Does the TP just keep rolling off the roll like it just never runs out? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty special. Look further with me now. Verse 22 of 1 Kings 17. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. That lady, her son died, and Elijah raised him from the dead. You raised anybody from the dead recently? That's Elijah. I mean, this is like one of the most mountain-moving moments in life ever. Look further with me. He's not finished yet. First Kings chapter 18, he faces off like against 450 prophets of Baal, another 400 prophets. They've got all these false prophets. They're out there doing their little wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah, right? They're cutting themselves, praying that uh, this God that they worship, Baal, that he'll send down fire, and he doesn't do it. And Elijah says, listen, guys, I want you to know there's a one true God, and I want him to send down fire. But before he does that, we're going to fill the altar with water, and there's water all over. It's consumed. And he prays, and he says, listen, God, I want everybody to know that there's one true God. And it says in verse 38 of 1 Kings 18, Then the fire of the Lord fell. And it consumed the burnt offering, the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And he's not finished yet. He called down fire from heaven recently. Verses about 43 through 45. Elijah now goes and God tells him, hey, I'm going to send rain. And Elijah prays. And after three and a half years of it not raining, he prays. And it says that there was a great rain. And then verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty spirit-filled, godly, anointed life. Those are some absolutely amazing things. And if you walk with that, you are going to be absolutely flabbergasted at what happens in the next chapter of Elijah's life. And I thought about that when Danny prayed about 2017. I'm guessing when you stood at the mic in 2016 of January, you didn't know what was coming. The reality is, we oftentimes, guys, we don't know what's coming. Watch what happens here the very next chapter. Jezebel, she's the queen. And she says in verse 2 of 1 Kings 19, again, we're asking this question, how are you? This is what we're after. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. He says, listen, just as all those prophets of Baal and everybody, all those guys were killed, I'm going to kill you. And then watch what happens in verse 3. Then he was what? Afraid. Then he was afraid. 
And he rose and he says he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So I want to ask the first question. How are you doing emotionally? Right? How are you dealing with things emotionally? It's kind of, we're going to kind of put this together. Listen, this is, this is not a, a we're not, we can't deal with every single part of it. All right? So you say, Blake, you're going to leave some stuff out. Absolutely. All right? It's kind of big ballpark picture today. But just kind of general, I'm going to throw it out at you. How are you doing emotionally? You stressed? Anxiety. That's when the time catching up with a bunch of buddies. And listen, I, I don't live in that world, but um, I know that the beef cattle right now, the prices aren't doing real well. And there's some serious stresses on some of my buddies. That may be you. I know there's a lot of farmers here, and maybe that affects you today. Maybe there's some serious stresses emotionally on where you or people you love and care about are health wise. Your finances and maybe the bills now and all the things you swiped and swiped and swiped at Christmas are now starting to say, hey, listen, it's time to pay on those. And you're figuring out, how am I going to pay on those? He was afraid. And maybe you're dealing with that. Just fears, anxieties, overwhelmed, stressed, emotions. Watch what happens here. This is amazing. Verse 4. Again, the very next chapter. Verse 4, 1 Kings 19, it says, But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. Saying, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. You ever felt like a failure? Let's be honest, we probably don't want to raise our hand today, but I'm saying probably the vast, vast, vast majority of this, this room is probably at some point in your life thought, it'd just be better if I wasn't here. It'd be better if I wasn't here. I mean, I mean, yeah, mom might cry and granny might be upset, but the reality is most of the other people in my life really don't care that much about me. Their life would just truck right on. I mean, I, you probably wouldn't admit that, but, but the vast majority of us here have probably had those emotions and feelings at times of just feeling like, you know what, it'd just be better if I wasn't here. Now, what's amazing about this to me is, is that, do you think any of Elijah's family or friends thought about this? I mean, this guy has just come out of one of the greatest seasons of life. And one chapter later, three or four verses later in life, he's ready to die. That's how quickly things change. And that's the reality is, that's why you so often don't know it. That's why it's so hard to see sometimes with how people are doing mentally and emotionally. It's because when you look on the outside, it looks like everything's going great for them. The business is prospering. The, the, the family's doing well. Finances are coming in. They seem to be doing well at church. They're involved and engaged. But you have no idea on the inside those feelings and emotions and mentally the thoughts. Man, my life, what's it really even worth? Do I even really matter? So I want to encourage you. That's why you need to walk beside someone. I don't know if you're already walking beside someone in life. That's great if you already have some accountability. But if not, I want to invite you again to come get connected. All right, The discipleship is going to be happening Sunday nights. Again, if you can't do Sunday nights, let's find a time that works. But it's important for you to have somebody that you can walk beside. All right, Another man of God, another woman of God who you can walk beside, who you can share some of this with and say, listen, I'm hurting. On the outside, it looks great to everybody. But on the inside, you don't have any idea what I'm dealing with. I want to invite you to come be a part of that. Someone who can pray for you and encourage you and, and point you in the Scriptures. Elijah's there. Look what happens next. So he lays down 
Verse 5 of 1 Kings 19. And he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. So as you look at your how you're doing right now, it's not only about how are you emotionally, it's not only how are you mentally, but also physically. Are you sleeping? Personally, I will share with you that um, I, I, had a, I had a big struggle, and the big struggle was this, Sports Center. Every single night, I would lay in my bed, and Emily would go to sleep, and I would watch Sports Center at least at midnight, pushing toward 1 a.m. And then I was surprised that when God would ask me to get up at 5 a.m. to meet with Him, I couldn't do it. So TV had to go to the curb. So physically, I want to know, how, how are you sleeping? That's, look at that. This is just real practical stuff. He lays down and he sleeps, man. That's just part of You need sleep. Further, look what it says. He says, listen, arise and eat. Why? Because the physical matters. I want to know, how are you eating? Some of you are, are big health conscious people, okay? You are. For whatever reason, God's wired river that way. He'll come home and say, Dad, um, the chocolate milk, how many chocolate? How many calories at school is chocolate milk having at Riff? Huh? Not going to tell in front of everybody. Usually it's like 120. I think the, the strawberries got a little bit more. And then he's like, yeah, there's the plain milk. So a while ago, literally, he walks in, all right, carrying this candy bar that's as big as his head. He's like, Dad, look at this bad boy. I was like, yeah. And guess what he does? He flips it over and he says, 210 calories. He's looking right now out of the saturated fat. Oh, listen, he's just, God's just wired him that way. He thinks about drinking water. and do. So my point is, there's folks in here, that's just part of how God's wired them. Now here, I want to share this again. Please, God, let this come around in the right vein. I have a struggle with gluttony. And some of you are like, please shut it. Please shut it. And that's my point with sin. On the outside, you never know it so often. I could look at you today, I would never see it. I would never imagine that's going on in your life. But it doesn't mean the struggle's not real. And so what we tend to do then is we push it back because we don't we think people won't hear that or they won't believe it or they they I mean just whatever. And so we just kind of push that down further and further. But I have a struggle with that. So I don't know what it looks like for you eating. I don't know what it looks like for you as you exercise and take care of yourself, but I want to encourage you. Elijah is there and he needs sleep and he needs to eat. There's just practical things that you've got to, as you look at 2017, it's not only about your mental health, your emotional health, but also your physical. Why? God, look where all this is headed. All this has a serious makeup on what your spiritual health really is. These things factor. Because physically at times when you're struggling, I don't know about you, but there's times when physically I'm struggling, I don't feel well or whatever. It affects Right now, I'm dealing with my knee again. I don't know what I've done to it. I messed it up. I'm already thinking, what's that going to look like for basketball? It's, a, it's one of those ways in which God just opens up doors for me to minister and witness to guys continually. Week in and week out when I get an opportunity to play. Just share the gospel with guys. Dealing with my knee. I don't know what's up with it. So it, it can affect spiritually. What's that look like for me now? Mentally, emotionally. What's it? All these things are pointing. They're working together. Looking at your spiritual. Watch, watch what happens. So he lays down to sleep under that broom tree. Verse 5, 1 Kings 19. And behold... An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. So God acts. God reaches out and touches him. And that's my hope and prayer for you today, is that God's just touching your heart. He's pointing to you, and He's talking to you about some things that He wants to show you and transform you. So watch what happens in the life of Elijah. Verse 9. Look what happens. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. God's word came. 
that if you, in the midst of how things are mentally, emotionally, physically, if there's one thing that I would just absolutely entrust to you today to say, listen, Blake, help me. Just make me just at least give me one step. I would entrust you to God and his word. I would compel you to get along with God and hear from God that he would speak to you in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, however you're feeling, however things are going on in your life, that God's word would point to you spiritually. Why? Well, physically, I know this. First Corinthians six nineteen says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Why does your body matter? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's God's made it. God's created you. You say, Blake, well, how about me emotionally? Well, I know emotionally there's actually some help from you. And it's Matthew eleven twenty eight, And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So emotionally, if you're dealing with a lot, Jesus says, come and bring it to me. Come bring it to me. And mentally, maybe you're here today and Blake say, Blake, I, my, my thoughts, you don't understand. I mean, just mentally things are going in and out. And that thief that store, Corey talked about, still kill and destroy, that is my daily life. He is still killing and destroying it. I mean, it's so messed up. And I would compel you to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, Be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the continual renewing of your mind. Then, he says, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God's word is there for each area of your makeup, all pointing ultimately to Christ, that Christ is at the heart of who you are physically. Why physical matters? Because Christ is there. He, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's created you emotionally. Why does that matter? Because Christ has came to help you deal with your emotions, to take on your stresses, your worries, your anxieties. Mentally, the things that are there that you can't seem to get past or that are overwhelming your mind, God's Word is there to renew you. That Philippians 4 and 8, you could say whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything he says is excellent or praiseworthy, thank or literally meditate on such things. The true, the noble, the right. Well, how do I know what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely? It's God's Word. So I hide God's Word in my heart. I store it there. And listen to what God says to him. Verse 9 there. What are you doing here, Elijah? He asked a major question. I would ask you, what's the purpose of your life? Why are you here today? Not only why are you here in this congregation, but like, why are you here at all? Like, why do you exist why do you live in Greensburg, KY? Why is this, Brother Todd talked about that your heart's been breathing and you've been breathing since the day you are born. Why are you still here? What? That's what he asked Elijah. What are you doing here? And here's what we know about Elijah. Is, is that Elijah's been a great man of God and done a many, 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 many mighty things. We just went through that list. And what's amazing is that now for the first time we kind of see fear has caused him to deviate from God's path. And maybe that's you, the fear, the stress, the physical ailment. It's causing him to deviate. And then this is where grace steps into Elijah. And I want to just offer it to you and me today. Is that Elijah's gone where God didn't call him to go because fear drove him there? And here's the good news, is grace. Is that God still showed up where he was. I don't know about you, but man, that, I'm, for real, that gives me the, 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 the curlies and just, man, just want to say, God, wow. Elijah's gone where God didn't call him to go because fear drove him there. 
And maybe God would just say, well, buddy, if that's what you want to do, then you just stay over there and I'll stay over here. God's not into middle school dances. He comes right to where Elijah is. He meets Elijah's needs. Even before starting to give Elijah some big rundown, he just says, listen, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to love on you. And let's be honest, so many of us here today, what you want to do when you hear that is, is you want to start pushing that away because you think you're not worthy of it. And you're right. That's why it's grace. That's why it's love. That's who God is. And so Elijah, right where he is, God comes. I love that. What are you doing here, Elijah? But guess what, Elijah? Even though you're not where you're supposed to be, I want you to know that I've come here to be with you. I've come here not only to bring to, to be with you here, but in fact, I'm going to lead you out. Look what happens next. It says, the Lord goes, says, go out and stay on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passes by. And what's God speak to him through? A low whisper. If I could propel you guys to anything in 2017, it would be go get in the presence of God and let him whisper to you. If you'd say, Blake, what might strengthen our church? Blake, how, how could I be a part of making disciples? How could I be a part of, of Christ's call to love on and reach the nations in this community? I would say it would start and anchor with you and God alone and hearing God whisper to you from His Word. Again, I want to tell you, and I say it repeatedly, the primary way that God will speak to you is through His Word. This is God's primary means. Through His Word. So if I could compel you towards something in 2017, it would say, Hey, listen, commit to spending time in God and His Word. Being alone. Hearing God whisper. That's what Elijah needed. His life is wrecked. He's just come out of the greatest, one of the greatest victories ever. All these things. And yet his life is wrecked. And there's God. And he shows up. And God just encounters him with His presence and with His Word. And that's what we have. It's maybe an overused statement, but I want you to be aware of it still. The Bible is the only book in the world that you can read and the author is always present. I don't know who, you, who, your, who your books are, your favorite authors, how awesome it would be to meet them, sit around, talk with them. Tell me more. Tell me, give me some background. This is the one book you can always open and the author is always present. And it's transforming to Elijah. And then look what he says finally to him. Hey, now, Elijah, it's time to go. Now it's time to go. So the tendency is, as we get here and we think, you know what? I, I'm, go, I'm, going to stale, I'm going to storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. And when the water runs out, I'm going to start spitting. Right? I mean, we've been there. Right? I'm going to go. I'm going to do. But the reality is that if this stuff right here is not being taken care of, you're going to quickly start to fade away. So mentally, emotionally, physically, those things matter. Why? Because spiritually, they come together to identify your spiritual DNA. These things matter. You can't neglect them. You can't keep pushing away. So what I would usher you with is you need time alone with God, and you need another man or woman in God in your life who can speak truth and you can open up honestly to. And if you're hungry today and you say, Blake, I, I, want, I need that for 2017. I may not really want it, but I know that if I was being honest today, I need that. Then sign up. Let us team you up with somebody. And maybe you're already here and you'd say, listen, God's blessed me. And the reality is, Blake, I've been through a lot of stuff. I've made a lot of mistakes. Great. Then maybe you can help some of us who haven't yet made those mistakes or maybe are in the midst of us. And you can help guide us 
You can show us from God's word how God's spoken to you, how God's helped you be a young father, how God's empowered you in the midst of, of difficult situations. We need each other. So I'm compelling you again to God and his word and to discipleship. Why? So that we can go, that we can go and reach the nations, that we can reach this community for Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the first part of it. How are you? The second part comes about here as Paul and and Barnabas are there and they begin to teach and preach the word of the Lord, it says, with many other also. Verse 35, Acts 15. And we're going to see how Paul now intends to strengthen the church. Look what he says. It says, after some days, verse 36 of Acts 15, Paul says to Barnabas, Hey, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. So long story short, Mark cut, he cut out on them, left them. Paul's still upset about it. Barnabas says, let's give him another shot. Look what happens. Verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So there's division. There's a split here between good friends. Now, what we'll know from Paul's later letters is is that Mark becomes a great help to him, that that God restores this relationship. And maybe there's relationships that you need restoring. But there is some split here. And so look what happens. It's Paul and Silas, it says in verse 41, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And maybe you're hearing you say, Blake, how, how can we strengthen the church? Well, the church is ultimately built upon Christ and His death, burial, resurrection. It's, it's founded in His Word. But look what, often, look what they're doing. It says they're teaching and preaching the Word of the Lord, verse 35. Verse 36, he says, let's go back where we proclaim the Word of the Lord. So everything centers upon God and His Word. The church is established on it. As a church, if we're going to be moving forward, if we're going to be healthy, if we're going to make disciples, then we're going to have to anchor in this Word. If we're going to reach this community in this world, it's going to be because of what this word shows us. That there was a God who came to us when we were unworthy. There was a God who loved us when we were unlovable. We know what it's like not to have anything to offer or not to be good enough. We know that feeling because that's how God's loved us. So how could we not go to them? How could we not feed those people? How can we not send out people to those countries and nations where they don't have any access to the good news? You see, this gospel and what Christ has done for us as revealed through the Word of God is really our impetus for doing everything. As a church, this is, this is our holy book. This is what we are to follow, empowered by the Spirit of God. And so that's what they're doing. Everywhere they go, they teach and preach the Word of God. That's how they make disciples, and that's how they keep growing disciples. That's how they establish churches. It's just the proclamation of the Word of God teaching and preaching it day in and day out. And so, look what happens here. Kind of just some, some cool stuff. Verse 30 of, you're saying, Blake, well, then how, how are they doing this? Show me a little bit more. Well, here's what we do. We kind of rewind the story just for a moment to see maybe what they have been doing that might help us understand what they're going to be doing moving forward. So, verse 30 of Acts 15 says, So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, said, Church, hey, listen, everybody gather. They deliver the letter. Remember the letter. It says, listen, hey, Gentiles, they don't have to be circumcised. They can't obey the law. Why? Because none of us could ever obey the law. So the reality is we're all saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
All right, and then they gave them the requirements, right, to abstain from sexual immorality, from things that have been strangled, things with blood in it. Right, they gave some of that. They delivered the letter, all right, and they tell them, listen, you guys are saved just like the Jews are. You're saved only by Christ. And look what it does. It, when they read it, they rejoice because of its encouragement. Isn't that good news today? That there's nothing that you could do to satisfy a holy God other than putting your belief and trust that His Son died on the cross for you? That He would pay your punishment? Or that He would take your punishment? He would pay your sin debt? And that God's wrath, His anger, His judgment of sin because He's holy and perfect, He has to judge it? And He did so in His Son? And that if you put your faith and trust that God says, I have already forgiven you because my Son paid it for you? And not only that, I'm giving you the perfect standing of my son. His life that was sinless. He never sinned. He never had one wrong thought. He never did one wrong deed. Guess what? By faith, that's now you. That's how I see you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And that right there will cause rejoicing and encouragement. Not only in the church's heart. That's what our community world needs, guys. They need to know there's hope that they can be reconciled to God only through Christ. And look what happens. Verse 20, 32, again, Acts 15, it says, And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Now, the gift of prophets is 1 Corinthians 12, 10, talks about that there are some who are prophets. We've talked about that in earlier messages, but God uses these, these that are prophets to share the Word of God, to encourage the church, to strengthen the church. In fact, Romans 12 and 8 says that God has given some in the body of Christ the gift of encouragement. So you may have that. You may recognize those people. They just continue. They cannot help but encourage others. That's the gift that God's given them. And so there it is. The church is together. The church again. That's why the church needs each other. As you think about 2017, you realize you don't have all the gifts. God has not designed you to do it on your own. God has designed you as a body. Any more than today, you could say, well, Blake, I am the biggest, most muscular bicep ever. Good. Let's lop that off and see how that works by itself. If you're so strong, let's just cut it off right now. Let's just see how it works by itself. That's you apart from the church. Do you see that? God has designed the church that we should need each other. It keeps us humble. It helps us glorify God and say, God, look how great you are. You're using that person and they're strengthening and encouraging me. Maybe they're holding me accountable. They're discipling me. They're showing me how to share my faith, how to love my spouse, how to forgive. That's the church. And so they spend some time there. Some of them leave. And verse 35 says, that Paul and Barnabas, they remained in Antioch, and they keep teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And in this statement, this, I want to draw your attention. We're going to kind of get really practical as we close. I love what it says there. Verse 35, again, hear it all together. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. We'd say, absolutely, Paul and Barnabas, of course, of course. And then look what it says there. I love this statement. With many others also. What's he saying? Todd and I aren't the only people that are going to preach and teach to you. I, I don't know if you're connected there, kind of as you think about the vision of the church, God and me, God family and me, God church and me. But God has brought this body together that you would be discipled by others. So I want, I want to ask you, 
Again, if what you've seen in God's Word, that God's Word is the primary way in which He speaks to you and I, God's Word is the way in which He's going to strengthen you mentally, emotionally, physically. He's going to empower you spiritually to walk in the Spirit of God. God's Word says, listen, I brought you guys together. There's just some different, right there, you see them on the screen, just some different Sunday school material that we're using to be a part of. You say, Blake, where's the opportunity with me, with many others also? How can other people teach and preach and share to me the Word? Well, that happens oftentimes in Sunday mornings right before we meet here, 9 o'clock. I want to encourage you, find a class, get connected. Find a class and get connected. Wednesday nights, we have a tendency, we go deeper, we use God's Word, we spend the Word, allowing it to launch us into prayer. Prayer being so important, so vital to our church. And then, discipleship. Look what it says. Verse 41 of Acts 15. And he went throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Well, how's Paul do it? He's preaching, teaching the Word, but he's always telling them, Hey, listen, I want you to preach and teach the Word and share the Word, and then I want you to find others that are capable of preaching, teaching, and sharing the Word, and I want you to trust it to them. It's discipleship that's happening. I want to encourage you again, be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I need a man of God in my life that can walk beside me. I need Brother Todd day in and day out to hold me accountable that I can share my failures, my weaknesses, my frustrations, my humanity. I need someone. I don't need to have to always wear the preacher coat. That is burdensome and weary. And if some of you are doing it, you're wearing the church coat. It is so stuffy. You need discipleship. I need discipleship. Find a man or woman of God. Sign up. Get connected. Maybe you already know who that person is. Go to them today and say, I would love for you to walk beside me. Maybe it's someone that you see that's maybe just younger in the faith. Maybe you just say, listen, I really feel I would love for you and I just to, to begin meeting, working through this together. We're going to talk next week more practically what that looks like starting Sunday night the 15th. Again, compelling you. So you say, here's the practical. All right, so Blake, God and me. He said it's really important for me and God to get alone to hear God whisper like Elijah did. If that's how God used and spoke to Elijah, he showed up with his presence and he spoke to him his word. Then Blake, if that's what I need, and I believe it is, then help me. I want to help you. Uh, actually, last night I got a chance to talk to some more of my buddies, and um, we were just talking about, hey, how are you doing, right? How are you doing spiritually? What's up? And that's really cool, man, when you can have those conversations um, with people maybe you once partied with and did different things with, you acted ungodly. God's transformed your lives, and now instead of talking about those things, you're talking about Christ. Um, that's pretty amazing um, when God does that. I don't know if He's changed you and your friends, but if God's changed you, He wants to use you to change your friends. He does. Um, and so... Uh, man, sorry. Let me say this for a minute. I had a couple of New Year's Eves that I acted very ungodly. And if I'd have showed up in church that next morning, I'm telling you, I'd have felt a million miles away from the man on that cross. And I want you to know, as he comes to you today, I know you don't feel worthy of it. It feels like it's a million miles away. 
while we're still sinners, Christ came to us. I don't know. Just overwhelm me. The cross of Christ. You want to spend some time alone with the person that... How? I deserve a lot more than that, I promise you. The Bible app. All right, often I have guys, and that's just because it's, again, typically men. We minister to men and women to women. doesn't mean it doesn't cross over at times, but that's typically usually what happens in my life. Um, is, I was talking to several guys um, over the years, and typically the question is, Hey, listen, I, I really want to read the Bible, but I don't want to be three weeks in and five weeks behind. You feel me? So help me start somewhere doable. All right, here it is. I don't know, most of you have um, probably some kind of electronic device. If you don't, we can get you the printed copy. All right, that's what you are. We'll get you the printed copy. It's in the App Store, right? It doesn't matter what device you're on. Um, it's just type in the Bible. You'll see it looks like that image there, the Holy Bible. Um, what you're going to do is, is you're going to go right here. You click on Plans. You click on the tab that says Discover, and then click on this little magnifying glass. And when you do that, you're going to simply type in, if you can remember this, it's really hard, the numbers 345. Woo! If you can do that, this is going to pop up right here, and you're going to simply select Project 345. Why 345? Because on average, it takes 3 minutes and 45 seconds. Huh? It's, it's all right. On average, it takes 3 minutes and 45 seconds for you to read one chapter of the New Testament each day. Now, some chapters are longer, some are shorter. But on average, so I always ask people, hey, listen, Blake, I want to do something doable. I want to get in the Word of God. I said, do you have three minutes and 45 seconds? Well, yeah, 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 I can do that. Good. So at three minutes, 45 seconds, five out of seven days a week, in one year from now, you'll have read the entire New Testament. And that's a place to start. It's a great place to start, to get involved. So you just quickly click Start Plan. And when you click Start Plan, you're going to see something like this. And so you'd read John chapter 1 through 5 this week. Make sure you hit Start Plan here. I would compel you. It's a great place to start. Some of you here, you're already down the road further. And you say, Blake, listen, I've been reading and I want to maybe move a little more. Maybe I'm ready to start this year on trying to read through the Word, the entirety of it. Well, I'll share with you the plan that both Todd and I are on. And, again, it's just you logging in there, um, downloading the app, clicking on plans, clicking discover, clicking the hourglass. You just simply type in something like one-year Bible. See that right there? And then you're going to select this one right here, the one-year Bible. And this is what your plan would look like for this morning. Genesis 1 and 2, Matthew 1 um, through chapter 2, verse 12, and then Psalms 1 and Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 6. So how it's designed is, is you read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, and you'll read some from Psalms and Proverbs every day. Um, over the course of the year, I think you'll read the book of Psalms and Proverbs both twice, and all the rest of the books you'll read only once. It's transformed my life, guys. I can't tell you um, the reality is I was, I was spiritually struggling. And one day God sent a banker to come sit in my office and ask me, how can I pray for you? I was terrified because he and his family were new here and he wanted to have a meeting. And usually when people have a meeting with me, it's bad, I'll just be honest. So I was already trying to quiz him of, well, what's wrong, right? What's happening? What's up? What's up? What's up? He said, no, I just came to pray for you. 
And through that, God would develop a friendship, a brotherhood, an opportunity for me to be strengthened. And not only begin to disciple myself, but kind of God's family in me. As you move out from you, is your family. And you say, Blake, listen, I'm terrified of how to disciple my family. Maybe you have young kids. You don't even know where to start. You're not real comfortable with it. Even if you're not real comfortable with the Bible. The Bible app for kids is amazing. It is a great place to start. Now, is it in and of itself? No. It will launch you hopefully deeper as you move forward. But, man, it is an awesome place for you and your family to start. Or maybe if you're here and you just want to know more about the Bible in general. Listen, when God called me to ministry, I didn't have a clue where even Habakkuk was, okay? I was like, God, how can you call me to preach? I don't know what Malachi says or Micah or Nahum or... I mean, I... So I took a kid's Bible with all these Old Testament stories. And I just started powing through them. Pow, 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 pow. And I probably wouldn't have told that to a lot of people. Like, hey, I'm in ministry. I'm using a kid's Bible. But I was because I just I didn't know the stories. I'd grown up in church all my life. But the reality is I was... Majorly deficient. So I compel you there. Again, as our musicians make their way, I just want to remind you the cross of Christ changed everything for me. Changed my eternity. Changed who I am day to day. Do I still have struggles mentally, emotionally, physically? Absolutely. Spiritually, yes. But I have one that promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I don't know anything better than that. I don't know where you were last night. I don't know how unworthy you may feel this morning. But I compel you to come. Come and surrender to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come. Lay down your fears, your anxieties. Don't be ashamed. Elijah, one of the greatest men of God, had those struggles. Elijah, one of the greatest men of God, on the, the very precipice of climax of spiritually what we could ever, many of us ever hope for, raising somebody from the dead. Whoa! The very next chapter, a few verses later, he's ready to die. Maybe that's you this morning nobody else knows. I'll tell you there's one that does. And he says, come to me. Come to me. Not to the preacher, not to the carpet. Come to me. So that can happen right where you are. If you want to come forward, we'd love to pray for you. He says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So it's not God's design for you to carry it on your own. I know we say it, leave it at the door. No, God says actually bring it in and come with it and bring it to me and I'll handle it. I'm that big and I'm that strong and I love you that much. Man, would you respond to Jesus, to God's Word? Would you commit to whatever He's calling you to commit to right now? Stand with us and sing. Fall to your face. Bow your knees. Come and pray.